Welcome to the Payments Journal Podcast. I'm your host, Rima Katz. Today, we're going to delve into the game-changing introduction of Visa's Compelling Evidence 3.0, or as it's also referred to as CE 3.0. We're going to unravel the nuances of this initiative and provide a fresh perspective from the angle of third-party service providers. Joining me today is Carol Palmer, Risk and Compliance Operations at Ubiquity, and Dan Key, Senior Analyst of Merchant Services at Javelin Strategy and Research. They're going to uncover the rationale behind this rule and its potential impact on chargebacks. It's great to have you both here. To start us off, Carol, can you describe the thought process that brought about the rule change? Absolutely. The objective of C3.0 was to streamline and expedite the resolution process for unauthorized dispute, focusing on addressing instances of friendly fraud, or as you may say, first party fraud. In the collaborative effort, Visa worked closely with merchants and issuers to formulate, you know, a comprehensive rule change. A thorough analysis was conducted to gain valuable insights into the specific requirements for the merchant, you know, to, to simply confirm a co-holder's previous participation and identify essential resources for notifying when a transaction may mistakenly labeled as fraudulent. Now, this innovative rule adjustment empowers small businesses, you know, by enabling them to present more robust evidence in these cases. I think the primary goal is to empower merchants to avoid or minimize unjust chargebacks, creating a fairer and I would say a more efficient system for all parties involved. Yeah, and you know, handling chargebacks better is incredibly important as people use cards more regularly, there's more card not present transactions, people shop online. This increases opportunities for their for chargebacks to come about and for disputes to show up. So it's really important to have the best system in place possible to handle all the, you know any potential increases in chargebacks. Carol, how does CE 3.0 affect chargebacks and how does it impact issuers, acquirers, and merchants in terms of liability? I would say CE 3.0 delivers substantial advantages to merchants, you know, it ushers in a transformative shift. However, it's important to know that issuers are still grappling with the challenges associated with billing errors and the burden of proof. Despite this policy introduction, a significant improvement by meticulously examining personal data and seamlessly sharing it with the call holder, mirroring the efficiency of the current CB processing or chargeback processing, I should say. The methodology employed in C3.0 aligns seamlessly with both rapid dispute resolution, commonly known as RDR, and order insight, offering a streamlined process. Through RDR, issuers experience notable benefit of transaction retrieval. I would say without incurring the typical chargeback costs. This alleviates concern, you know, regard, regarding blocked chargebacks and enabled issuers to present data from ordering site as compelling support documentation to its call holders. From a regulatory standpoint, however, it's crucial to acknowledge that the burden of proof rests with the issuer. One prime advantage for issuers is the real-time access to information. It provides them with critical data promptly if, if it's available. This real-time capability is a game changer, significantly enhancing the issuer's ability to navigate and respond you know, effectively 
within this dynamic landscape of transaction disputes. Yeah, absolutely. You know, CE 3.0 certainly puts more responsibility and liability on issuers, but there are also a number of tools and processes they can use to handle that effectively and, and you know, have this ultimately come out as a positive if they operate in the best way possible. What impact do these changes have on the issuing banks financially? You know, since this rule has been implemented, Carol, have we seen any visible impact on the issuing side for this? I would say there are financial advantages and disadvantages to the new policy. CE 3.0 offers significant, you know, financial benefits, particularly in the context of rapid dispute resolution. It allows transaction returns without imposing the traditional chargeback costs on the issuing banks or the acquiring entity. This potential outcome creates opportunities for substantial cost savings and, you know, the heightened financial efficiency. Despite the advantages, though, it's crucial to recognize that the responsibility of proof in billing errors and chargebacks still rests with the issuing banks. This introduces an ongoing financial challenge as issuer must navigate the burden of proof, even with the introduction of the new policy. While CE 3.2 brings about real-time information benefits, the ultimate financial impact depends on the nuanced circumstances at play. The proficiency of the issuers in leveraging these changes to their benefit becomes a critical factor in determining the overall financial outcome. I would say that if issuers face an acknowledged challenge in implementing CE 3.0, particularly in instances where the evidence provided is limited, limiting two or more undisputed transactions from the same merchant within 120 days poses difficulties for issuers in conducting a reasonable investigation as Regie requires. Dan, what are you seeing in regards to this? What I'm seeing is I think a lot of issuers who are a little bit frustrated, who have not you know, adapted perfectly to the new rules. They're, of course, very new and, and things, there's still time for things to be worked out. But I think there are, you know, in some cases, increases in frustrations, increases in not handling chargebacks as well as they used to, just because they don't know what they need to do necessarily anymore. They're not doing it the, in the best way possible. There's a lot of room for improvement here from issuers. I think they are aware of that. And Carol, you spoke to the challenges that you're seeing in the space, as well as what implementation can look like. I'm curious if you can share any examples that really kind of further digs into this. Absolutely. I can share the two most used scenarios that we are experiencing. So first, how should the agent proceed if the callholder confirms authorizing previous transactions with that merchant, but disputes one specific transaction? and Visa block the chargeback due to prior undisputed transaction that they considered as fraud. In today's world, as per Visa guidelines, the issue must conduct a callholder callout to verify whether the other transactions are disputed. If two or more pieces of information from or the inside match, the agent can then proceed with denying the claim. The challenge with that is, as per Regulation E, the claim cannot be denied merely based on the awareness of a previously authorized transaction with that merchant. Additionally, the agent cannot submit an exception to VROL with a comment that the cardholder claims the other transactions are authorized. The comment for the exception should specify which cardholder information didn't match. 
as a second example, you know, where transactions might be perceived as on dispute due to the economic impracticality of initiating a chargeback for lower amount within Visa Resolve Online. We see, you know, say for example, the claim includes three transactions at $100 each and two transactions of $10 each. The economic threshold for initiating a chargeback may not be met for the $10 transactions. Consequently, only a fraud report is done within Vero for the lower transaction amount, posing challenges for the issuer as these fraud reports are not recognized as previously disputed transaction. Unfortunately, this limitation can be leveraged against the issuer, leading the transaction being categorized as undisputed despite the practical challenges initiating chargebacks for low amounts. Yeah, I think that lays out very nicely how there are new things that need to be considered and new steps that need to be taken. Otherwise, issuers are going to end up in trouble, just even though CE 3.0 has a lot of potential to make it make you know, chargebacks better for everybody involved. They really need to consider what's new with this rule and what, what and how to adapt accordingly. As we come to an end, I would love to touch upon the common misconceptions about this update. Carol. What are some misconceptions that you're seeing in the space? I would say, you know, issuers got very excited until it was implemented. There could be a belief that, you know, C 3.0 ensures an immediate and complete elimination of the chargeback cost, both for issuers and acquiring banks. While there may be benefits, chargeback management still requires careful attention, you know, by all parties and some costs may not be eliminated. Some may believe, you know, that introduction of a new policy, issuers are entirely relieved of responsibility, especially regarding billionaires. The truth is, while there are changes, issuers still bear certain burdens and obligations. Yeah, you know, I think everyone wants chargebacks to disappear because they're not fun to deal with. They're not, you know, the point of payments they are kind of, they, they are a necessary, you know, necessary thing to deal with, but not anyone's favorite part. And I think issuers and others were hoping that CE 3.0 would just eliminate them and make this as easy as possible without adapting at all. And that's just not the case. It doesn't mean that it can't help, but it's changed the system. It hasn't just made it so you don't even need to think about chargebacks. And I think some were hoping that they could just kind of really put it on the back burner forever. Thank you both so much for sharing your insights and perspective. And thanks to everyone for tuning in today. Be sure to subscribe and stay updated on the latest Payments Journal episodes. And don't forget to share this podcast with your friends and colleagues.